Today we're going to be reviewing a few films, including Passengers and La La Land, as well as look at some of the films coming out this week. And then we're also going to be taking a look at some of our most anticipated television shows coming out this spring. So stay tuned. Welcome to The Real Review. Welcome to The Real Review, sponsored by Parametric and Lazy Ape Studios, where you get some of the latest happenings, real thoughts, and perspectives in the world of film and television. I am here with Matt Hay. Hey, hey, hey. And I am. <laughs> and I am here with Joel Fergalicious Cunningham. <laughs> Fergalicious. Oh, I'm not a Black Eyed Peas fan. <laughs> oh, You're goodness. welcome. Yeah, I'm even less of one now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are so excited to be here today, guys, and do this podcast with you. Uh, we have now officially launched the podcast. So this is our first podcast we're bringing to you after our official launch. Yay! Yeah, super awesome. And uh, we wanted to, as well, just get started out with something... Um, um, that everybody should be really excited about, which is talking about the contest yep. uh, that we're running here with the podcast. And so um, as we've told you, we're going to be giving away a $50, or you might not know, we're giving away a $50 <laughs> gift card to a movie theater. And so how do people sign up for that, Matt? So essentially, it's going to be a number of different ways. Obviously, subscribe to the podcast. You're also going to be able to subscribe to our newsletter. We'll, we'll have links for you as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, and give us a good rating, obviously. And uh, if it's a bad rating, then and we don't we don't need to hear from you. It's okay. Yeah, so subscribe. <laughs> uh, like us on uh, this iTunes app, podcast app here. Um, and then go ahead. Well, like more than like us, give us a review if you yes, can, a yeah. positive review if you can. And then uh, if you can, shoot us an email. Let us know that you signed up for it. Um, our email address is realreviewmedia at gmail.com. Real is spelled R-E-E-L, like film real. Get it? Yeah. So <laughs> realreviewmedia at gmail.com after you've subscribed and uh, left us a hopefully positive review there. And we will get you signed up for the contest, which we're going to be doing all throughout the month of January. Then at the end of January, we're going to pull name out of an email hat. I don't know how that works. Yeah. You know, a digital email <laughs> hat. A digital. There's got to be an app. It's a, probably a, a digital email top hat yeah. of sorts. Yes. If there isn't an app, we just created one. Yes. <laughs> Package it, ship it, awesome. trademark. Yeah. So let's get going here. Why don't we get right into the films we're going to be talking about today for our review segment. So uh, Matt and I, we had a chance to watch a film recently together, which is a rarity a bit for us. Right. Uh, and what film was that, Matt? It was Passengers, starring Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. And so um, this was a film made by Morton Tildum. Um, and it actually, like you said, starred Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt. Um, and it was an interesting film for me, Matt. Did you have any just like kind of gut reaction take on the film? Yeah, I guess my my initial reaction was, huh, that wasn't as bad as I thought <laughs> as, as as I thought I was going to be. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe it was the fact that my 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 feelings towards the movie and my anticipation for mm -hmm. it was very, very low. <laughs> yeah. This had a Rotten Tomato score last time I checked by critics of about 32%. Right. Yeah. But fans had it at about, I think, 70%. Okay. So that, that falls maybe more in line with what I was feeling. Then. Yeah. So this was a, this is, you know, one of the reasons why we love doing what we do on the show, which is we're not paid critics. We're not watching a film a day and paid to do critical analysis maybe one day, but <laughs> yeah. at this point we're just doing this as fans of film and media. And so, um, this was a side where we kind of are looking at the perspective of, I think, more of the fan right. and not looking at it from a critical perspective. We kind of side more with the fan perspective. So um, I agree. I thought it was a pretty good film overall. I think there was definitely elements that um, 
I can understand why a critic right. would look at and say, uh, maybe not a great film. It, it it had the tendency to be kind of obvious. Right. You know, you kind of knew where the story was going to be going from the beginning all the way to the end. And very, predictable. Very, very predictable. Very predictable. Yep. Um, but I would say the acting was good. Yeah. Um, the special effects were really good at times. Visually, it was. I was actually in awe a couple of times. I was like, oh, this is really cool looking. Yeah, really cool looking. I think the score didn't really do too much for me. I think overall, it, it, it felt like it fit kind of yeah did, did not a decent memorable or anything yeah and so um one of the things that was actually interesting about this film which um morton tildum is actually the director of a bunch of other films but he did one recently called the imitation game yeah um and that film had kind of almost it felt like a different visual style in a way um this was a sci-fi film obviously it's based in space and kind of the the main idea of the film is that there's these this guy you know played by chris pratt named jim and um they're on this trip, this like cruise liner spaceship, and they're going to this other planet where they're going to sort of populate it with people. And right. it's not like a scenario where, you know, the, the catastrophic earth is destroying itself and we have to send people. This is a choice that people made. Right. And they actually can buy themselves a ticket onto the ship. Very um, expensive. Very expensive. Right. And so it was interesting. I think it played a little bit of a cool dynamic between like the different classes of people at time, which right. it's like, you know, if this scenario played out in modern times, how that might actually go was similar to what I think they portrayed. Right. Um, and so Jim here is uh, in the spaceship and they're on their way there. It's going to take over a hundred years basically to get to the new planet. And he wakes up. Right. <laughs> and the problem with waking up is that um, he wakes up about 90 years too soon. And right. so basically at this point, you know, I think in the movie, he's probably like in his early thirties or maybe late twenties yeah. or so. And he's going to basically pass away before they get to the space, you know, the planet. Right. So he has to decide, what am I going to do here? First of all, how do I keep myself entertained? And second of all, he eventually figures out this way in which he can unlock another person and wake them up. Right. Right. And so Jennifer Lawrence happens to be that person. So, um, he makes a really interesting call and, you know, has to go in a certain direction. I don't want to spoil too much here for the fans um, that, you know, haven't necessarily seen the film or anything like that. But um, I felt like all the the ways that there was actually explained in the story of the decision that he made there um, made logical sense. I think if you're stuck on a spaceship by yourself right. and you have the opportunity to wake somebody up. It's that castaway kind of thing too. Like, yeah. you know, desperate for somebody to, to communicate and actually have, you know, yeah. a conversation with and, yeah. and interact with. And yeah. And they, they put it in a logical way. I mean, he does everything he can possible to try and remedy the situation. He tries to contact, you know, the, the earth and it basically is, he's prevented from doing that because the amount of time that's going to take to do that. Um, he tries to wake up one of the crew members, but he can't get in to actually do that. So, I mean, he does everything he can. I think logically and I think um, the one fault that you definitely could say is that um, he took a choice that it wasn't like he just wanted somebody to talk to he definitely wanted to talk to Jennifer Lawrence because right. hey I think you're hot yeah. and I really enjoyed <laughs> listening to these weird videos yeah, of you yeah. it's almost stalkerish uh, way that he's like investigating her so right. yeah um, I, one thing I really appreciated about this, uh, it, the actors were, were invested. I think mm -hmm. when you get, when you have a caliber of, of actors, actresses, such as like Jennifer Lawrence and, and Chris Pratt, especially with the, the kind of work they've been doing lately, they're just, you know, they're legit movie stars Yeah, and you get something like this. I think there's that potential for them to potentially like phone it in and they're yeah. not trying. Yeah. They were trying and, mm -hmm. and it showed, I thought it was done really well. Um, there's a couple of, of moments where like you see sheer horror on Jennifer Lawrence's <laughs> face. And I was yeah. like, I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, Chris Pratt is a little out of his box as well. I mm -hmm. think I've seen a little bit more depth in, in this film than I have in anything else he's done. Yeah, I mean, the first 
three-fourths of the movie almost functions more as like a straight-up drama. Right. You know? And and it's it's not like a typical, hey, I'm funny and I'm a very masculine kind of macho mm-hmm. guy. There's a lot of, like, you see him wearing a lot of insecurity in, yeah. in his character. And, and yeah. I haven't seen that before. And, yeah. and he doesn't know what to do. And you see him distressed. And you see him, like, doing these things that you haven't seen Chris <laughs> Pratt do. Yeah. I think that was really refreshing. I'm glad he he ended up on this project because I, I wanted to see something different from him. It was good. Yeah, I agree. Um, so the one thing I was going to say, and this is kind of what I was trying to get to earlier, was this whole idea idea of um, some of the cinematography, I felt um, there was a couple scenes where it approached almost melodrama, in my opinion. And then additionally, there was a couple moments where it it almost came across as a little silly and a little goofy. Right, right. Um, and I think a lot of that just had to do with kind of the style that they chose in order to film some of these things. So, I mean, specifically the part with like the robot guy goes yeah. a crazy. I mean, I think people in the theater were actually laughing. Like, what is you happening? Know? Yeah, what is that? It just looked really kind of goofy at times. And so um, there's moments like that you definitely have to get past in the movie and you have to be willing to kind of like put that aside and go, okay, well, maybe this isn't, you know, it's a little melodramatic for my taste or something like that. But the overall story I felt like is good. Um, it was interesting the way that the characters played it out and I felt like they did good with each other. There was good natural chemistry between the two of them. And I, and I generally felt a sense of suspense and kind of intrigue as to, you know, how's this going to turn out? Where's this going to go? Right. Yeah. Awesome. So any last thoughts on passengers, Matt? No, I mean, it was, it was really straightforward, really predictable, but definitely a lot better than what (laughs) I feel like it has a rating on, at least from a rotten tomato standpoint. Absolutely. So, uh, on a scale of, you know, one to a hundred or whatever, how are you, Mm. how do you want to rate this guy? Uh, I'll give it a, uh, let's do a C plus 70, 70, 78. Very cool. I would give it probably C plus as well. Nice. So yeah, definitely check it out. All right. So that is all for our conversation and review on Passengers. Uh, Matt, what do we have next? Next, we have a little movie known as La La Land. (laughs) A small movie. Right. (laughs) Have you heard of it? (laughs) Yeah. So uh, this came out recently, but it it was written and directed uh, both by Damien Chazelle and stars Ryan Gosling. And Emma Stone. Now, uh-huh. essentially, this this movie it's it's kind of like a love story, but it's a musical, mm-hmm. right? So it's an aspiring jazz musician, yeah. Uh, essentially, falls for uh, an aspiring actress. Both, mm-hmm. um, and that's really where the the movie comes in. It's about two dreamers uh, falling in love with each other, and how that really plays into their dreams hmm. and what they want to do, and what what and how that comes about. Um, now. <laughs> this movie, I, um, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not a huge musical person. Don't yeah. know your thoughts on it, but, um, I can be, you can be. Yeah. Okay. I don't necessarily like all the same musicals that are you know, critic favorites, but right. I do like some musicals. Yeah. Right. So I'm not a huge musical person. So I went into this, you know, prepared to, you know, not like the film overall, I guess, okay. again, maybe just a, uh, tempered expectations, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I, I went in. And and really find myself enjoying it. Um, it. It's it's filmed in a way that makes you think that um, it feels like a '60s '70s era film, but in present day. Okay. There were times in which I was like, "Wait, what time period does this mo- movie take place in?" I was like <laughs> legit confused, and then I was yeah. like, "All right, she drives a Prius, so gotcha. obviously it's current day." But so it's like a. The Napoleon Dynamite of musicals, kind of. Will. It's almost, <laughs> and here's the thing: it, ultimately, it's it's almost like um, Damien Chazelle's love letter mm. to like old school Hollywood. Gotcha. And that's kind of what it felt like. But 
um, I, I really came out enjoying it. I really was able to resonate with, with the dream aspect of it. And there's a lot of real conversations in this. Uh, aside from it being funnier than I thought it would be, there's some real <laughs> conversations in this that I was like, wow, I, I feel like I've had those conversations before. I feel like I've felt this way before. And it yeah. really hit all the right notes as far as that's concerned. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised. So you haven't had a chance to see this film. What, what are your initial just kind of thoughts towards it? Well, I think I've heard a lot of similar thoughts to yours. Um, I think the biggest thing that I keep hearing over and over again is it really is, it's kind of like a a love song to Hollywood. I mean, the film's called, you know, La La Land, right. you know, the, a term for, for <laughs> Hollywood. And so um, I'm interested to see it because I do, I do want to see how he's kind of intertwined sort of that older element and older style of kind of the musical with sort of the modern day sensibilities. And I've heard a bit that this film is kind of actually almost like two different musicals, like about halfway through or so I've heard that it kind of like splits into almost a different, an entirely different type of movie for a little while. Um, and it takes on sort of this darker, more kind of dramatic tone, which uh, I, you know, I haven't seen it. I can't speak for that, but, um, I do think that, you know, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone are usually a very good, you know, couple, a very good pair. Um, and I'm enjoying how Emma Stone has been moving more and towards kind of the more dramatic roles. Um, and really kind of, I think she took, these roles that were kind of available to her and kind of like Zombieland and Easy A and those were good films, but you know, they're not necessarily like critically thought of as like being the best films ever. They're more comedies, which generally critics don't tend to like comedies quite as much for some reason. Um, Although they did do really well ratings wise. Um, But so she's getting into these, you know, kind of more serious roles. And so I'm really enjoying seeing her take on those darker roles and or deeper roles. I should say more dramatic right, roles. Right. And Ryan Gosling has been in that world for, I mean, goodness, for the last for 15 years. I mean, you had drive and all these other movies that he's coming out with, you know, the forest, the beyond the pines, right. Um, yeah, yeah. Place beyond the pines. place right. beyond the pines. Right. There you go. Yeah. And so, um, I think they'll do a great job in it. And, um, I'm, my one concern is that I, I, I don't know about the music. So why don't you give me your thoughts on that? Mainly because, Sometimes musicals, the music can really fit and like it seems natural and the sounds are good and you're kind of enjoying that and you feel like you're like along the ride. And then other times it's like, you know, this draining, right. like, when is this song going to be done? I, I just want to get to the next part of the story. So, um, and that's a, that's a great thing to bring up. I, mm-hmm. I think, I think the music does fit. Yeah. I, I felt like it did fit. However, it's very repetitive because there is one song in particular that's kind of like their song. Mm-hmm. They don't. Uh, explicitly say that, but that's what's implied by the how many times it's played over and over again. Yeah. Um, but I, it has the opportunity to get really repetitive. Gotcha. But I think it was it was done in a very reserved way, mm-hmm. and um, the the music was good. It felt like it fit, um, especially since it felt classic. Like the music felt classic to me, but the the it took place in like modern times you know and i think that's kind of that blend and mashup so mm. I, I think it actually did work out in, in, in its favor mm. um obviously you'll have to tell me about it after you see it um <laughs> yeah, hopefully soon right in addition to the music though um the, what's really great about this in the way that it's filmed just just strictly the cinematography um there's a lot of either one of really really great one takes mm-hmm. um or very, very well edited multi-takes nice. to make them look like one takes. <laughs> yeah. Um, r- regardless, uh, the way that it is all seamlessly brought together is actually 
it's pretty incredible. It looks really great. I like so. that you're breaking into the actual production side of things there a little right. bit. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I get into that stuff sometimes, <laughs> and I, I know what I know what happens sometimes. But but yeah, it's it's actually worth noting. It actually looks really good. Awesome. Well, I am looking forward to checking it out as well. I mean, uh, with Damien, he is. Uh, at least as far as Whiplash goes, I mean, that was a right. great film. He did a really good job with that. Um, interesting that he moved from kind of a film that has a musical sensibility to it and is about that to an actual musical. So right. it'll be interesting to see kind of where he, where he goes next as well. Absolutely. So uh, what do we have next, Joel? Well, next we're going to be talking about a film uh, entitled Manchester by the Sea. And this is uh, directed by Kenneth Lonergan. And it stars a number of people, but um, the primary actor in this is Casey Affleck, which is interesting because Casey Affleck has done a a fair number of kind of, uh, I wouldn't say, you know, yeah, well, secondary type roles right. in a lot of his films. Yeah. He tends an to, auxiliary character. Auxiliary kind of. character. He tends to play second fiddle to his brother um, when he gets on a right. lot of projects and stuff. Um, so this is the first time I've seen him personally in a film where he kind of had this standout role. Um, and basically the story is his character plays this, his name is Lee in the film, which was funny because the first couple of times they said it, I actually had a really time, hard time hearing it for some reason. <laughs> um, but he plays an uncle whose father passes away uh, due to an ongoing condition, and he's basically given charge of uh, his his brother's teenage nephew or his teenage son, which is his nephew, and kind of has to deal with a lot of the issues that are brought up, you know, by the passing of his brother and uh, issues with the boy's life and kind of where they're going to go in the future. And um, when I went to see this film, I was it was funny because I texted you and I said, you know, I'm going to go see this film. You're like, oh, yeah. I heard that was really heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think that is absolutely the best way to put it. This is um, a film that is so complex in the simplest way. Right. And it's, I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but um, there's a simplicity to the story. It seems very straightforward. I mean, it's basically about a, a guy dealing with the death of his brother. Um, but there's realism in it because they also tie a reality in it because they tie it into also his backstory, which is kind of this, um, it almost feels like this slow moving, you know, freight train or something that's slowly getting closer and closer. And you know, at some point they're going to sort of break that and you're going to find out what exactly happened in his path. You know, he plays his character, Casey plays this character where it's, um, he's almost dead to the world. You know, he's disconnected. He just, things don't impact him. He has no emotional connection to most things. People, you know, the beginning of the film, you're basically seeing him interacting with these tenants. He's a, a you know, a, a janitor of sorts. He's kind of a handyman for these different apartment complexes. And he, he starts hearing these things from people. You know, one of the girls is like attracted to him and he like doesn't even say anything about it. And another girl like complains and says something really weird to him. And he's like, He's like starts cursing at her basically. And so he gets chewed out by his boss and he's like, just deal with it, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, that there's like something that's just not quite connecting, you know, he's not having these normal relationships with people. And so as the film progresses, they do a really, really, really good job of showing you these elements of his story and his past and kind of hinting at it, but then ultimately revealing it, I think at the best time when it is going to hit the hardest way. And the difficult thing with something like that is it is a really dark, I'm not going to spoil anything here, but it is a really dark sort of backstory for him. And it's, I was concerned because when I saw that, I'm like, well, where are you going to go from here? Right. You know, you, (laughs) this is a crazy thing to happen. It's, you know, about halfway through the film that you finally kind of see 
what has happened here. How are you gonna how are you gonna reach another high point with the script after you've kind of gone to this level yeah. with it? So um but they did an amazing job because what it ends up becoming is this story of not just what had happened. And it's not just showing you the crazy things that had taken place, but then it becomes about, well, will he be able to overcome this sort of dark demon, if you will, or some dark past that has obviously had a huge impact and has basically created him and turned him into this person that is completely disconnected from the world. Right. And so that's the tension of the story there is, you know, will he be able to overcome it? And there was a couple scenes. There's one in particular that is getting close to the end of the film where it's kind of like the moment where he has to like, do something right, like say right. is he gonna like what's gonna happen with you know his his nephew what's yeah. gonna happen and so it he opens up like finally and it's like it's not much but it's amazing in the way that it happens yeah and so casey affleck just kills it on this um it's the first film that i've seen by amazon studios as well i think that they're getting more and more into doing films i know they've been doing television shows but it's the first actual film that i think i've sat down and watched and i was very impressed by this type of one, I'm hoping that it's an indicator that them and other types of groups like Netflix and stuff will be taking on films because I feel like as well, this kind of a film probably would have been really difficult to get produced and um, made through like a big studio. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm appreciating the fact that groups like Amazon Studios or Netflix are able to go out there. I wouldn't be surprised if <laughs> if iTunes, you know, if Apple started making films right, and right. things like that as well. Um but I, I'm just happy that they're going out there and they're making projects like this. So what what do you have? Any thoughts on Manchester by the Sea, even though you haven't seen it? Yeah. So for, first off, I think it's really, really great that you have something like Amazon Studios being able to do something like that. Mm -hmm. Because th from from what I'm hearing, and I'm not sure if you're hearing this too, but this there's a lot of Oscar buzz around this movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and if, if the little studios, smaller in comparison, I guess I should say, mm -hmm. um, are able to do stuff like this, I think that really opens up the, the game for for a lot of uh, independent filmmakers and it things does, like yeah. that to, to really get attention and some, you know, that kind of notoriety you yeah. know, that maybe wouldn't have gotten made at a Warner brothers or something. Absolutely. And you've seen, and not to, you know, take the point here too far, but uh, you've definitely seen, I think in the last couple of years that major studios have taken big, they do these big giant tentpole productions, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars that they put into these films, huge budgets, huge production, and they make a ton of money on them, but then it they're not willing to take risks right. on the smaller films. And so it left a kind of gap. And for a while that was, there was a lot of independent films that were coming out, you know, small budget, you know, four hundred, five hundred, six hundred thousand dollar indie budget films yeah. that were being self financed and things like that. Um, but they really didn't have distribution because mm -hmm. they weren't connected to any major studios or production groups or anything right. that people knew. And so it's been beautiful to see these groups now taking rise. And I think we're seeing in a small way maybe the future of what film could look like yeah. with these studios. Absolutely. Um, and, and just kind of to elaborate on what I, I haven't seen it. So mm -hmm. um, on the outside looking in, yeah, it definitely, it presents itself as a heavy drama, which yep. apparently it is. Um, and I think those, those films that have that sense of realism in the drama, like, okay, and, and just that it feels real, that it feels like it's uh, an actually lived in scenario that it can bring an audience member into it. I think those are the ones that have the, the capability of impacting you the most emotionally. Mm -hmm. Um, and <laughs> those, those are the types of films that, that end up being really good, but can almost be like, you know, I've seen it one time. It was great, but I don't know if I want to experience that and live that again emotionally. You know, <laughs> that's um, definitely one of these films. Right, it's a great film, but it, you're you're not leaving the studio skipping to your car. You know, you're kind right. of like, oh man, that was 
felt like I got punched. <laughs> right, right, I know. Yeah. And I felt that way with the movie Room. Did you ever see that? No, I haven't seen okay. Room. So I love that movie so much, but I, I walked out of that kind of a wreck. So oh man, I know. So I was just still like, recovering. It here. was really, really good. <laughs> it was it was one of my favorite movies that year. But it was, um, but I, I feel like that would be this type of movie. But uh, yeah, no, I guess overall picture for me is I'm glad to see the 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 little studio stepping in there to actually take a risk on these types yeah. of films. Awesome. Yeah. Well, so I would personally rate this film. Oh man, if I had to give it a rating, probably close to an A minus or so. <clears throat> I think some minor things that I had little gripes with. Um, overall, the the audio and sound design didn't really do anything. It just kind of was normal. Um, and as well as the music, I felt like there was three or four times where the music went almost bombastic. It went a bit too far. And it was kind of almost overpowering the emotion of the moment. And this is a very real, real, real type film. I mean, you feel in a lot of ways what the characters are feeling. There's moments where the characters will literally just kind of walk into a room and just sit down. And then the other one just goes, hey, like, oh, okay. (laughs) It's like, that's all they're doing. They're just having like a normal conversation. And it sounds weird. But when you get the suspense of the film, or the drama that's happening between the characters, it's more interesting than it sounds. But um, because of that reality, there's a couple moments where the music comes in. um, And it it almost kind of pulls you out of the realness of that moment. Gotcha. So I kind of wish that they'd backed off, maybe just lowered it a couple decibels or something like that. (laughs) um, And just kind of let the moment and the emotion of the moment kind of impact you. And I'm thinking maybe that's to do with the main character here, Lee's kind of, you know, depressed and sad. (laughs) Interestingly enough, I feel like I've maybe have spent a season of my life going through what that character was uh, going through during that film. Not anywhere near as dark, but (laughs) I could could relate to what he was going through. And that's, for me, a sign of a really good film. So so if you want to go watch a biography about Joel's life, (laughs) then go watch Manchester by the Sea. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah, please don't say that because... Goodness, if you knew what that guy went through, man. Just... Yeah, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that is all for Manchester by the Sea, a review of it. And uh, now we're going to actually finish up our review section and move into our upcoming film talk, where we discuss films that are going to be coming out in the near future, or by the time this comes out, they might already be out. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> Could happen. So, um, Matt, what do we have first on our upcoming film talk? Yeah, so first we have A Monster Calls. Um, now, now this film, along with the next film we'll talk about uh, later on as well, um, they're going into wide release mm-hmm. this this week, which means essentially they've already been released in limited areas, um, and uh, now they're going to be <laughs> released nationally, more yeah. broad. Yeah. Um, so sometimes when they release a film, um, for those of you listening may not understand how that works. Sometimes they'll release a film on a limited run to kind of see how it does, see how the market takes the film. And if it does really well, then they'll do like a major release. Right. And then other times they'll do a limited release for like um, festivals or specifically for like Oscars. Award season. You know, Academy Awards and everything. They'll run it in specific markets early so they can get it in for a nomination and then they do a more major release. Right. Right. So um, going back here to A Monster Calls, I'm actually really excited about this. Okay. I'm getting similar vibes that this is going to be kind of a heavy movie. The The trailer paints this picture, and I, I'm not entirely sure if this is entirely accurate of what the movie is fully about, but essentially the, the description of the movie is a boy seeks the help of a tree monster to cope with his single mom's terminal illness. Mm. Um, now, his mom is played by Felicity Jones, which we just saw mm-hmm. in uh, Rogue One. Yep. Um, and... 
Liam Neeson is the voice of the tree monster. Ooh. So it's a great voice to have. Right. <laughs> so what I'm gathering from this trailer is that the tree monster is not really a like actual tree monster. It's more of a figurative, metaphorical tree monster that this kid is using as a coping mechanism as the description portrays it to be. So um, there's a lot of really cool visuals where this monster is like helping him out in a lot of situations. And so, um, and he's just really having a hard time. So I know that uh, with his, with his mom's battling of cancer, and I think that that's really going to play into the emotional heaviness of this, Hmm. but I think it's also going to be relatable on that level, especially for people that are just dealing with loss in their life, just in general, not necessarily with the like cancer or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and it looks visually stunning. Jay Bayona is the director of this and he's actually really well known kind of as for, uh, he did the impossible. He did, uh, the orphan, um, the pre- orphanage, the orphanage. That's right. Yeah. Um, w- which is actually a pretty good, uh, that was a freaky movie. I know, yeah. I it's know, a great right? film. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and I think that he can lend his like horror sensibilities mm-hmm. to something like this to, uh, for its benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gurney Weaver's in it also. Um, I just, I don't know. I just really like the team up on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and on a side, side note, <laughs> I am, I'm excited that, uh, J.A. Bayona is taking on the Jurassic World sequel. Yeah. I saw that. Um, so I think he can, le- if he can lend his horror sensibilities to this uh, as much as I think he's going to, to that as well, I think it'd be awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to check it out as well. I don't think I'm maybe as excited as you are. Um, not because I feel like it's going to be a bad movie. Um, I'm just not as big a fan personally. I think of that suspense right. um, type genre. I do like some suspense films, um, but I don't know. This this doesn't float towards horror. So it still kind of falls in my category of- It's more drama. It's it looks more like, drama, yeah. suspense kind of a thing. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that. And it'll be a good outing, I think, for the director or a taste of maybe what you can get, like you said, with the upcoming Jurassic World movie. Um, and they've definitely got some, you know, well, Sigourney Weaver, um, Felicity Jones did, in my opinion, a great job with Rogue One. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it'll be good to see her kind of back on the screen so quickly. She's probably going to have a ton of movies coming out now right? because of the success of that. Um, and there's a kid, there's a kid actor here, uh, Louis McDougal. And so I don't know a lot about this guy. I do know that he was in Pan um, and he played Nibs in Pan. It's a kind of a, not a major role. It's like one of the side characters, I'm pretty sure. Um, but it'll be inter- interesting to see kind of how he does. I think if the film is obviously really kind of about his perspective and his take on things, it's going to rely a lot on how he does kind of with that role and how the director does with him on that. So it can right. be notoriously known for a lot of directors and people that it's difficult to work with kids. And you would say, oh, well, he had experience working with kids in the orphanage. But if you go and watch the orphanage, right. you're like, well, maybe that's not the case. I don't want to spoil anything. There. But, you know, <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how he does uh, working with kids. Uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how the team comes together. But I- I'm excited for it as well. I'll probably go see it in theaters if I get the chance, but it's not on my like must go see right now type films. It's on mine. <laughs> Let me yeah. just say that. I'm excited for it. It's also based off a novel which I didn't hmm. actually know till recently. So yeah. kind of cool to to see that. I might be inspired to read it later on. But what do we have next, J-Dog? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> we've got an interesting film coming up next. And for whatever reason, these types of films just really get me. Um, this film is called The Founder. Um, and it is directed by John Lee Hancock and stars Michael Keaton, Nick Offerman, and John Carroll Lynch. Uh, And the IMDb sort of synopsis for this film is basically struggling salesman Ray Kroc meets Mac and Dick McDonald 
uh, co-operators of a burger restaurant in the 1950s South Carolina. Have you heard of this burger joint, Matt? I have not. (laughs) The two... I'll give you a hint. It's their last name has something to do with it. Okay, McDonald's. (laughs) Yeah, so Ray (laughs) Kroc um, is played uh, by Michael Keaton here, and... I'm personally, I'm a big fan of Michael Keaton. Oh, yeah. Obviously, um, oh, yeah. he did an amazing job with Birdman. Um, and he's kind of been doing this like resurgence into the kind of the popular world of film once again. Um, I liked him all the way back when, when he did Batman. He was one of my favorite Batmans that, um, you know, obviously he's the first. So there's oh, yeah. going to be something there to that. But I felt like he did a great job overall with the difficulty that role is balancing between Bruce Wayne and Batman, mm-hmm. you know, trying to be this serious, somber kind of guy, but also this kind of pretty playboy type character. Right. And so I thought he did a great job and he really set the bar pretty high for people to come after him. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he kind of faded out after, you know, he did Beetlejuice and he did a bunch of other stuff. Beetlejuice, he's great in Beetlejuice. Yeah. Again. Um, and so he did a bunch of roles um, that he kind of, and then he kind of faded out. And then recently he with, you know, Birdman, obviously this critical kind of success film, um, he came out and the film itself. So I, I mentioned that I love these kinds of films. I'm a huge, it just always gets me when it's these fan, these films that are kind of based on a true story, if you will, they're kind of biographical in nature. Um, but it's also dramatic and it's, it's like a historical reference point to something that actually happened. Um, and so I love watching films like that. It's almost like in a weird way watching a biography, but a more interesting with a more interesting reenactment scenario for it. Um, and so it, it it looks just based upon the trailers. It's got a really good kind of dynamic tension uh, between Michael Keaton's character and then Nick Offerman and John Carroll Lynch, who paid basically Mac and Dick McDonald, who are the founders of the McDonald's retro franchise. And so Ray comes in there, he sees what they're doing. And then I guess he goes and, you know, based on a true story, he goes and he takes this idea and then he begins to franchise it. Um, and I don't want to spoil anything too much on the show or on the movie, but it's interesting to see basically if you read, if you're, if you're familiar kind of with the story of how this actually took place and where this went, um, there's some real dramatic tension there because it, McDonald's is like this American landmark. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. We know McDonald's. You drive down the road for five minutes and you see McDonald's and then five minutes more and there's another McDonald's. You know, I've been around the world and I've yeah, seen them. Yeah, abroad. Know, it's everywhere. <laughs> so it... It's it's kind of this staple of America, and you would think that this would be something that probably would have started with a real strong, like, there must have been some, like, team of engineers that got together and said, like, we're going to make the perfect burger <laughs> restaurant with the perfect franchise and just, right. you know, and so there's elements with the story of the, the McDonald brothers, basically, of them wanting to create something new and different, but not necessarily seeing what they had in their hands and not really seeing... You know, and as a as an entrepreneur myself, that's like that's a cool thing for me. It's like seeing something in a new way and seeing the you know the way that I could take that and potentially make that very successful. Right. Um. But then they end up after doing that, not really truly seeing the benefit. So they see like a half of the picture, and then you see another guy comes in and really kind of takes that on and and turns it into even bigger and even better. And so in a way, it's kind of an American story. You know, it's a kind of an American story of like success and entrepreneurship, but it also can kind of show some of the corporate greed side of things of people being maybe more wrapped up in their own version of success and their own ideals and everything like that. And so I'm just really interested as well, you know, to see Michael Keaton, to see what he's going to be doing with it. Um, I know Michael Lee Hancock has done some really obviously big movies um, as well in the past. He did, you know, Saving Mr. Banks, The Blind Side, which, you know, both of those movies did really well. I yeah. mean, you know, Sandra Bullock with The Blind Side winning, sure. winning an Academy Award and Saving Mr. Banks was actually a surprise 
for me. I did not expect to enjoy that as much as I did. Um, so this is a director that's kind of on my radar and one that I'm kind of like excited to see where he's going. You right. know, it feels like he's taking on better and better projects at the moment. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So do you have any thoughts regarding the founder? Yeah, it, it actually looks very, very interesting because the trailer doesn't go into it fully, at least the one mm-hmm. that I watched, but yeah. it does have that that sense of, all right, is is what he's doing shady almost? Yeah. It kind of <laughs> has that sense of like, it. I don't know if what he's doing is entirely right. I understand what he's trying to do, but there's some like seemingly shady stuff happening with yeah. how he's, you know, going about, you know, starting this thing. Um, but I think, I think Michael Keaton's a perfect person. He, mm. he can do that. You know, he can play the villain. He can play, you know, the, the good guy. I think he's just, he's just one of those guys that is so out there that he can do whatever he wants. And he can also bring a certain level of, of heft just to, to whatever role he plays. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter what he's in. Um, <laughs> I use this example all the time, but, um, the movie Need for Speed with Aaron Paul that came out two years ago <laughs> yeah. was not a good movie, but Michael Keaton no. was arguably maybe the the best part of that movie because it's just this crazy like Michael Keatonisms, you know, yeah. and his Beetlejuice and his you know like that's kind of like yeah, <laughs> kind of who he is and kind of like what he brings to a role and he has a quiet intensity. Right. It's like it, it's like this fire that at any moment could just snap and he's gonna blow up and you know stab somebody, right? Um, which would made him really good for a lot of these roles. You right. know, Batman, where he's playing this character, like, again, that has two sides to himself. And you'd realize it, it probably would have to take somebody that's a little bit not just quite mentally right. perfectly stable in order to be willing to dress up and fight crime like Batman, right. but also be a normal There's guy. There's something else there. And yeah. Michael Keaton's perfect for that. I mean, like you said earlier, we're seeing him in a lot of things now, uh, more recently, that are, are prominent. You know, you have the Birdman mm-hmm. side. You have the founder coming up. You have Spotlight. Yeah. Um, and I think it's kind of cool. He's making the crossover into some, like, just mainstream fun films. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's coming up. He's going to be the vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Um, so we'll see what what kind of uh, you know craziness he can bring to that. But yeah, I'm looking forward to this as well. Well, yeah, I'm really excited as well to see um, what Nick Offerman and John Carroll Lynch have to offer. I know Nick Offerman has kind of been on a... I think he's trying to break more into kind of bigger films. And I think for him, this is a really good film to kind of break into that yeah. you know deeper, darker type project or maybe not darker but more dramatic type work right, right you know he did parks and rec and he was super successful in that and then as well for john carroll lynch who you know he's been again kind of a side character in a lot of films he kind of always plays that like secondary character usually that ends up bad things happening to them for some reason yeah. i think that's just for whatever reason the kind of roles that he ends up in um and so it'll be good to see kind of how they all play off of each other um the the trailer for it that it didn't share too much but i did real read and this is probably the last thing we'll say about it but um i did read a really interesting interview that they did of michael keaton and he's talking about his role in this and they talked about how they're not trying to portray his role, Ray, as like necessarily the antagonist or necessarily as like, um, you know, a good guy or a bad guy. Basically, right. the protagonist or antagonist. He's he's kind of just trying to say, like, say this is the role that he took and this is what happened. And they're trying to give a realistic portrayal of the events and the way they transpired. And I think there is a reality to that that, I mean... There is people out there that will probably just do something evil for evil's sake, but a lot of times, especially in business, you find people that, you know, they do things for maybe the right reason. They want to find success or be successful so they can help other people, but they do things in selfish ways so much that it ends up hurting other people um, too much. And so it'll be really interesting to see kind of where they go with the character. That'll be really interesting to see if he ends up being more of a sympathetic character or more of a character that you kind of love to hate sort of a character, you know? 
Definitely. So that is going to finish up our talk on the founder, as well as our conversation about the upcoming films that we're really looking forward to seeing. So, uh, Matt, let's head into now our TV talk or our tube talk, as we like to call it. <laughs> right. uh, Matt, what do we have going on in this coming uh, time for television? We're going to be talking about spring and shows that are going to be coming out there. Um, you've got a couple on the docket. What are we going to be talking about first? Right. So first of all, I'm really excited about this because this is the first time we're really diving into some TV stuff. It and, is. Yeah. And it's, it's, People it's, are wondering. They're right, asking. It's really <laughs> what cool. What about TV? Like, What's happening, guys? Yeah. So um, it, it's really cool. Uh, we're, we're going into the spring season here where um, you know the fall season of 2016 is wrapping up 2017 spring is starting back up and um there's there's a lot coming out actually mm-hmm. a lot of new and uh, a lot of continuations of some other series that have already been going but um i want to start off kind of on the retro side of things because they're <laughs> actually bringing back a couple of shows that i watched like from season to season li- season to season live as it aired on tv which like doesn't even happen now not these at days. all everybody's on netflix i know so um pre-recorded uh 24 legacy they're bringing back. Okay. Um, I'm a huge fan of 24. Uh, as much as as much as it kind of faltered in its final few seasons, <laughs> I I'm just a huge huge fan of it altogether. Now the big issue with this is it's not a Kiefer Sutherland driven series. It's it's mm. um, he's not the main guy going forward. Okay. This time. So which is a huge difference. I I so my experience with 24 is basically. Um, I watched one episode, um, and because my friend, I had a good friend at the time who was just loved 24, check it out. You know, he's like, check it out, check it out. So I finally watched an episode and they blow up an atomic bomb. And it was like, okay, well, I, I feel like that was the best and worst episode I could have watched right. of the show. And so I kind of stopped watching right. after that. It's all downhill for me. So here, here's the thing. It's, it's a show that I felt like progressively got better and peaked in its fifth season. Okay. Um, and then it kind of went downhill from there and then started getting better towards the end of the seventh season going into the eighth. And then the like the like half season they did when they brought it back. It's like 12 hours. Right, exactly. It's a half. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it's called 12, not 24. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But anyway, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, Corey Hawkins is going to be doing the main... bit he's gonna be doing the the he's gonna the main character i guess i should say okay now there's there is talk of um kiefer coming in kind of a little bit and i don't know if that's just to get people to watch the show or not <laughs> i feel like that's part of it but here's the thing i've invested so much of my life into 24 that i am going to watch this show regardless um now i don't want to you know stay on that too long but i i'm i'm excited to check it out i, I kind of like you and you say this all the time i'm a little bit hesitant <laughs> because <laughs> do i'm not you say that you know me so well i know and i'm not entirely sure what to expect but i'm i'm going to invest the time i'll tell you that right now yeah. the other thing that's coming back and um this felt like it faltered more yeah. than 24 did and it's in its second a farther. right yeah. and that's prison break um now wentworth miller uh, after Prison Break, didn't really do anything. In fact, he hasn't really done a lot of anything. Uh, I mean, to the extent of you know having his own TV show going, and hmm. um, they're coming back. Uh, and spoiler alert here. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, actually, you know, I'll, I'll save I'll save that. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how how they make this happen with what happens yeah. with this character. Yeah. So. Because prison broke, right? Prison, I mean, <laughs> it broke, man. It broke, man. It's they, gone. They, they broke out of a lot of things through yeah. the course of four seasons. And honestly, the first season's great. Second season's 
all right third season's like half a season because it's only that's when the writer strike happened back in the day yeah um fourth season is just it was hard to get through mm. um this might be a case of prison broker right yeah prison broken <laughs> prison so broke. uh prison's broken but anyway it's, it's coming back mm. um it, it looks good if they can capture the magic of the first season i'm all about it but i'm gonna be like you again i'm hesitant on this because of the way that the previous seasons ended up it's not like breaking bad we're like wow that was like the perfect ending you know <laughs> and you're like okay if they bring it back okay i'm sure they have something awesome because we have that trust with them but the way that the writers left us at the end of these seasons eh, yeah i'm not entirely <laughs> yeah i mean we've had a bit of a resurgence i mean they've been bringing back a lot of shows like they brought macgyver back they even right. tried to bring recently heroes back right um, which i didn't even give that a chance it unfortunately flopped, i guess um but I, I know that they're doing this a lot and i guess you know those examples obviously i mean we i don't know how macgyver's doing right now but you know heroes flopped it, it shows me that some of it might be the legitimately hey maybe we have a good idea but there's also definitely a studio component of hey we just know this franchise made a lot of money and we want to see if we can make a lot of money with it again right we're living in the day and age where if if a show gets canceled it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be canceled because it could potentially be picked up by another studio whether it's it be true. a netflix or an amazon mm-hmm. we've seen that happen a lot and no community is a great example right <laughs> to uh, everywhere pretty the much killing. there's there's yeah. a ton of different things um yeah netflix is picking up shows and restarting them you know for right. house and everything yeah. yeah exactly exactly so there's a market for it and i think that studios do recognize that and that's why stuff like this is happening maybe they could do that with lost <laughs> and really wow I, <laughs> they'd have to start at the beginning with lost because i think they really screwed the pooch after right. <laughs> about four seasons when so the ending i think it works for me but the, the last 10 minutes i had such a bad time with so if they could figure that out all right guys you can do that that would be great if you're listening awesome um but yeah so that's really it we'll see what happens with these uh blasts from the past if yeah. you will um, going forward, but uh, the next one that the next one that I want to talk about is mm-hmm. a show coming up called Legion, um, and essentially, um, and here here's a synopsis. Uh, you have this guy named David Haler or Holler. Um, Let's call him Holler, aka Haller. Legion. He's a he's a haunted man essentially with the power beyond comprehension. His power does not come. Uh, free though, but at a steep cost of his mind, uh, potentially insanity. Um, uh, basically, plagued by a n- number of split personalities. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in each one of those personalities controls a different aspect of his power. So here's the thing that's cool about this: this movie or movie, this show, actually takes place within um, like Fox's like like X Men like universe expanded universe right and yeah. this is the first time that we're seeing this outside of the cinematic world right um and i'm i'm really excited about it i'm excited about the the what it looks like the trailer looks good mm-hmm. um in addition to that though dan stevens i think he's really really great he was mm-hmm. he was actually <laughs> first time i saw him was in downton abbey yeah um and then after that was the guest which mm-hmm. was kind of an action thriller which i thought was actually pretty good and uh, showed his range a little bit um and i i don't know i'm just i'm you know, it the the marketing is pretty vague up to this point, but I think it looks really good. I know Aubrey Plaza is in it as well. Yeah. Um, and we'll see what she can kind of lend to that. But I don't know. Have you have you seen or heard anything about this? Yeah, I saw the original trailer for it. Um, I would say that I'm somewhat, I'm somewhat, like excited to see it. Um, it kind of is going towards this realm of almost like science fictiony kind of you know, mystical powers type thing. So it's like a, it's a suspense action type show. Right. Um, 
So I would say that I would probably be watching this for sure if it weren't for the fact that I've just got probably so many other shows right now that kind of fit that <laughs> genre. It's crazy. You know, pretty much every channel and every network is coming out with some sort of like action-y sci-fi type show and they've all got their own tilts and their own, you've got the OA and then you've got, yeah. um, what is it, the Honda 100, 100 and everything. Yeah. So you've got all these different channels and all these different shows. So I'll probably give it a chance. I'll probably yeah. give it a look. Um, it is interesting, like you said, to see how it kind of connects in with the expanded universe right. that they're doing there. And I think Dan Stevens as well is a great actor. So I'll probably give it the good old, you know, watch the pilot or watch the first <laughs> couple episodes yeah. and see how things go from there. I mean, I know Dan is also involved with Beauty and the Beast. You know, he's going right. to be the Beast and Beauty and the Beast. So yep. um, he's obviously going at a bit of a high point for him. He's kind of breaking into some bigger roles. And so hopefully this was a wise choice for him and he's going to break into uh, an even better echelon of acting credibility. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I think, I think it's going to be really cool to just see it in the context, uh, uh of just the X-Men universe. Pretty Absolutely. Cool. Um, and, and next kind of along the same lines is, uh, Iron Fist, which is going to be, um, it's, it's another, another Netflix Marvel series essentially. And, uh, the biggest thing with Iron Fist is that this is going to help finally complete the the individual story plot to essentially for next for the the next marvel iteration of the avengers which is going to be called the defenders gotcha uh which is encompassing uh iron fist uh luke cage jessica mm-hmm. jones and daredevil yeah um so they're all essentially marvel is trying to conquer the cinematic realm which they definitely are if you're looking at dc as competition <laughs> um <laughs> And then right now they're they're making a run for the the uh, the tube I guess you yeah. could say yeah um, where DC has a great uh, television lineup but I think Marvel is owning the Netflix and and world as far as that's concerned yeah absolutely um, Iron Fist looks like it's a lot of the same uh, Luke Cage I, I felt a little bit I, I liked it but not as much as I wanted to yeah um, Jessica Jones um, I, I liked it maybe a little bit more than Luke Cage and um, I would say Daredevil, I, I probably like the most so mm-hmm. far. Um, yeah. There's a lot of different aspects to that that I really like, but I'm curious to see what Iron Fist brings to it. Um, the trailer looks good. Um, I want to see how it all comes together. Mm-hmm. And I, have you seen anything for Iron Fist? I haven't seen anything for Iron Fist. Oh, okay. So this is actually brand new for me in the most part. I, I will probably give it a look. Um, I gave you know Jessica Jones a try. I gave uh, Luke Cage a try. Watched both of those single episodes Um, and then I was like well I should probably keep watching that it didn't do anything (laughs) I think on a gut level when I first watched both shows that really just intrigued me and made me feel like I'm excited to kind of see where their story is going right Um, Luke Cage I felt like was just simple and a bit kind of predictable in a way and with Jessica Jones I felt almost a little like it was like a little manipulative Mm -hmm. almost with the way that her story kind of played at the end especially it just didn't make sense why they like had this a bit, I don't want to spoil anything for the right, first episode, right. but you know, so I, I, I was intrigued and I'm like, I should probably keep watching, but it just didn't hit me kind of right at that moment. I'd started watching another show, which is on HBO called the leftovers. Right. And that kind of hit me really hard from the first episode. Right. And so I kind of just continued yeah, on. It's all about prior- prioritizing. Exactly. You know, you've only got so much time a day. And if you watched every show that was coming out 
we would never have time to even right. do a podcast. Exactly. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I'll probably check out the first episode is what I'm saying and see how it goes. Yeah, it's good. Definitely, definitely check it out because they're setting it up for the small screen Avengers, there essentially. Um, yeah. And then also want to touch on real quick, uh, Sherlock. We have the yes. fourth series or season. I think they call it series yeah. in, in the UK. In the UK land. Right. So they call it a series. Um, that, that actually already started. Yeah. Uh, first episode aired. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. Um, the next two come out in the next couple of weeks here. Mm. Um, but yeah, I really, really love this. This is kind of my introduction into Benedict Cumberbatch as a whole. Yep. Very, very smart. And it, the, the amount of being an actor, I know you can appreciate this too, but the amount of, and the speed and in which, and in the intensity in which he says his lines and uh, <laughs> what he says is incredible to me. Um, I've grown accustomed to it a little bit more. So it's not as impressive while at the same time, it still is impressive. Um, and I think it, they're doing a really good job at, at uh, keeping some of the, the the mystery and intrigue going along. The third season opened up a whole new door for some things. I don't want to spoil anything, but we'll see how it plays out because yeah. it's it's not quite to the extent of Prison Break, but I feel like they left some things uh, open that I'm not <laughs> entirely sure how they're going to resolve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you seen anything on it? I've not. I'm actually a little behind on my Sherlock. I've watched the first two series and enjoyed both of them. I the thing is, is, I've also read, I've actually read all of the, oh. you know, the stories. And, Look at you. Yeah. So <laughs> I have, you know, a friend of mine purchased them for me a long time ago and I'm like, I should probably give him a read. And so I've read all the different Sherlock Holmes stories and nice. I'm kind of familiar with, you know, the different, generally how the different plots of the different episodes are kind of tied indirectly or directly to episodes of the actual writing story. So um, when I saw Moriarty showing up and kind of the way that they were playing that out and I was kind of like as far as the series goes to me, that was kind of like the book series. That was kind of like the end point for okay. me of okay. yeah. there was, you know, obviously the same thing happens, but there's kind of an ongoing adventures of Sherlock Holmes. But I didn't, after that whole thing had happened in the book series with Moriarty, basically I kind of felt like, okay, well that's a natural kind of fitting end and maybe give a little bit of like a epilogue type thing. But then they kept going and the stories didn't get as good for me. They were kind of like, once you've gone to the point where it's like, death is on the line like yeah. that and they probably died it's like how do you kind of reach another big point right you know and so right. kind of weirdly did the same thing with the show and i kind of lost interest a little bit okay yeah. but i do want to give another chance i mean it was an amazingly well put together show i really enjoyed the cinematography and action and the dynamics and the character the, the acting between martin and benedict yeah, i mean the two really guys good. are just play off each other perfectly they're a so great good. Yep. a great pair um, so yeah, I'll probably give it a check out. I, I got to catch up on my last series though, third series. <laughs> it's really good. So, uh, check that out. Um, let us know if you've been watching it too. Uh, shoot us an email. Just, you know, yeah. let us know what you've been thinking of that so far. That would be awesome. So that wraps up our uh, segment of tube talk or TV talk, whatever you want to call it. I, I <laughs> like to call it tube talk. Yeah, to be clear about that. <laughs> so, uh, next I just want to spend a couple minutes here talking about a news item that's actually, uh, kind of interesting mm -hmm. uh you got what is, what's going on with this uh news story here yeah so there's a rumor floating around and at this point it we will i will emphasize it's just rumor speculation, but uh, yep. yeah speculation that woody harrelson is actually being potentially pegged to be cast as han solo's mentor character in the 2018 spinoff film wow yeah for the the han solo so as you know star wars is doing like an, a normal like episode and then they're doing like spinoff individual films for some of the characters. And so we just had Rogue One, which was the sort of the midquel, if you will, between right. prequel and original <laughs> series. And now we're doing a Han Solo potential spinoff. So what what are your thoughts on him? Woody Harrelson there? I 
I'm actually really excited at this prospect. And if you think about it, it makes sense. And let me tell you why. I think um, we know Han Solo to be a scoundrel, Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit shady, you know? Yeah. And and when you look at Woody Harrelson, he is a scoundrel and he yeah, is a little yeah. bit shady, like just <laughs> in, in everything that he's done and he can play it perfectly. And I think if that's, if that's going to be his mentor, then yeah, I think it makes absolute sense. And, um, I think Woody Harrelson has been on a roll, honestly, and just a lot of the things that he's done. It's true. Um, and it looks like he's playing something similar in the new, uh, war for the planet of the apes <laughs> yeah. coming up as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. Do you have any initial thoughts? I'm I'm a bit hesitant. I okay. mean, surprise, surprise. <laughs> I I don't have any problem necessarily with them looking to him to potentially do the role. I, I think Woody Harrelson for me can be in a really good actor. I mean, yeah. a lot of the films he's been in, I mean, he's done you know, humor and he's done dramatic, um, more on the humor side of things. Yeah. And I think if you look at his character and the way that he acts in a lot of his films, there always tends to be a little bit of kind of like a goofy kind of humorous side to his character. Um, so that could fit in the Star Wars universe. I think it's really going to depend upon the director yeah. and the story and the way that it's been written. I think I will say that I, 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 I don't see him doing it. I don't, I'm not looking at Star Wars and thinking Woody Harrelson, his face isn't popping up to me. I would almost rather see some sort of more kind of somber, like serious mentor that maybe he could play off of. Han Solo. Like, yeah. I don't want to see like, well, you, Han Solo is bad. This is, imagine how bad his mentor must have been, you know? <laughs> right. I would have almost rather see like, well, Han Solo is kind of a person unto himself, but had this really good mentor that yeah. kind of grew him. So it really also will depend upon how they write him and, yeah. and direct him. So yeah, For that's sure. kind of my thoughts. We'll see what happens. Again, it's speculation, so... We'll just take it from there. We'll take it from there. Awesome. Well, that is going to be all for us today on the podcast. We just want to remind you here at the end to, uh, if you get a chance, definitely check out our Facebook page. We post a ton of really cool stuff, news articles and items and different things, as well as get you information. Uh, You can find that at facebook.com slash real review media. And again, real spelled R-E-E-L, like film reel. And then additionally, like Matt said, if you got any questions, thoughts about anything we've talked about, we'd love to hear from you. Get your input. Uh, you can email us at realreviewmedia at gmail.com. And uh, definitely encourage you guys as well. Get signed up for that contest. We're going to be running that throughout the rest of January. Chance to go to the movies with, you know, who knows, some friend. You can make a new friend. Yeah. Take them to the movies. <laughs> right. $50. <laughs> Takes you at least, you get at least two tickets and maybe a popcorn. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) awesome. Thanks for joining us, everybody. And uh, it's been real. It's been real.